Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Off the Post. I'm your host, John Mattis of Post Media. And today I have on the line Joe Birch of the Ontario Hockey League. Joe, how's it going? Hey, great, John. It's uh, great to be here and and on the air with you tonight. Yeah, and uh, you have an interesting role with the OHL. Um, I wouldn't say it's conventional uh, in terms of your duties. You're kind of all over the place. Your official title is Senior Director of Hockey Development and Special Events, and you've held that for, according to my research, uh, 2013. That's correct. Yes, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, I'm pretty fortunate to get to be involved in a lot of different elements within the league operation side, and I have uh, four or five great uh, staff that I work with on a daily basis, and, and really our our department oversees player development, player recruitment, player education, and then and then special events is tied in there, which overlap of each of those kind of three core areas. So I get to see a lot of different things. I get to work with a lot of great players and families and prospects, and and very closely with our 20 member teams from the governor's level to the GMs to coaches. So I'm I'm pretty fortunate. Yeah, we first uh, got acquainted last year because uh, you guys reached out to a couple of media members about participating in the OHL Combine. I went through it. I'm not in the greatest shape. It wasn't uh, the greatest experience in terms of my scores, but it was it was uh, cool to be kind of behind the curtain and see what uh, the prospects go through, especially when they're 15, 16, and you don't even – a lot of people probably don't know that there is an OHL Combine. Um, but that was cool, and, and through that I met you, and that actually just passed again over this past weekend. We're recording this on Wednesday. It was on uh, over the weekend, a two-day thing, on-ice, off-ice testing. And uh, that kind of segues into what I really wanted to talk to you about on this uh, podcast is uh, another uh, element, another event that you're involved with, and you were involved heavily with the development of this one, and that's the uh, the midget draft or the under 18 selection pri- or so uh, what is it called <laughs> under priority 18 selection priority yeah. selection i got the two words mixed up and uh it's new to this year so i'll give you kind of the floor to explain uh what it's all about it's not replacing the original draft it's a it's another draft and there's also a third one uh, the import draft so now you have three drafts instead of two and do you mind just going through why you guys are getting involved in in a midget draft and uh, what the benefits are Sure. Well, I, I think 
you know, uh, very kind of you to say that I, I, I'm, uh, you know, one of the key people uh, involved in that, in, in, in which I'm uh, part of a team that has a committee at the OHL level and a committee at the OHF level. And they've been really important in this process in getting the, the midget draft off of the ground um, as, as us and the OHF are are really committed to, I think, along with Hockey Canada and, and all hockey bodies uh, within Ontario, for that matter, member associations, of, of trying to improve the overall appeal to midget AAA hockey. I think that, and the committee feels that it has an unfortunate bit of a stigma, that it uh, it's not a place where a player can continue his development. And we, we think that by the creation of the the midget draft or the U18 priority selection, as we've, we've termed it, it's going to help draw some attention and some awareness to that level. Um, in the big picture, over time, ideally that will uh, be fantastic for player development within the province. Uh, that will be great for goaltender development if the level of play uh, continues to improve. It'll be great for coach development because now you'll have high-level coaches who are interacting on a regular basis with OHL member team, general managers, and, and head scouts and area scouts. So we really see this this draft as being a key piece, one key piece within kind of our plan uh, to improve and, and, and raise the profile and the level of play and the increased development opportunity uh, for players who are playing in that, that midget AAA category um, uh, across the province. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's the first step of, of kind of a two to three year project and plan with the, with the OHF, but it's a big step and uh, we're really excited for it. And why now? I mean, it's, uh, it's 2017. Why, why didn't you do it in 2013? Why not 2020? Yeah. yeah good, good question, John. I think our timing was right in the sense that we, you know, we, we've all talked about a lot of different things that you may or may or not recall, but probably going back about 10 or 12 years ago, there was a concept that, uh, a midget super league was tried to be uh, struck up and formed and, and it never got going. And, and I, I think when you look, um, you know, when you look at what's going on globally within our sport, uh, whether it's the influence of, of increased development from the Finns and the Swedes and the Russians, uh, we look at USA Hockey has done a fantastic job. Uh, in Ontario and, and certainly in Western Canada, we've seen a growth in sport academies and, and there's new things that are, you know, kind of, uh, emerging within our game. As a province, we kind of looked around and saw some of this. And, and, and as an OHL, we struck up a, a development committee that then put some concepts and idea in place. And what we've done is we've strategically aligned with the OHF. The OHF saw some of the similar things going on and said, yeah, now's the time we need to work together and we need to try to create uh, an improved development system or fix any, any, um, I guess challenges that we might be seeing within our development system to to allow Ontario. I really personally believe this that Ontario can be the number one development ground or province, not just the OHL, but but the OHF as a combined uh, with our volume of players who are enrolled or registered within our game, the number one producing of players to the National Hockey League uh, in the world because of our volume of players. But if we aren't in control and doing a great job of player development. Um, you know, we might lose players or, or they may not develop the way that they should. So uh, timing was right uh, with the OHF seeing the issues that we did. And uh, so this is this is where we're at. 
Now, you guys have four rounds, so 20 teams, four rounds, 80 players, and also you have kind of a, uh, I wouldn't call it a loophole, but a sort of a, a side pick that, that teams yep. can do where they can choose a goalie and that doesn't count towards their four. Why, why four rounds and why have the goalie exception? It seems like a lot of, 80 players is a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, it, and I think the one thing, John, because it's the first year, we're gonna we've created on the back end a separate midget player protected list. And that protected list is four max players for an OHL team. So we wanted to be able to have teams fill that protected list immediately. Um, then with the with the goaltender selection, the, the if a team does select a player within those four rounds, um, they they then could have an opportunity to take another uh, skater in in the fifth round, um, but they don't have to. They could pass. So it was about uh, twofold: one, kind of getting it off the ground and getting um, getting getting the players injected, if you will, into our protected list and and uh, almost immediately, so you don't have to wait two cycles of a draft. If we did a, a two round draft, as an example, and two with with four rounds, four rounds it'll create. Lots of opportunity and 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 some immediate exposure uh, to the new property. I, I don't know if it'll stay four rounds. I don't know if it'll go down to two. It'll be a bit of a a moving piece um, after we we do our first year, and we'll re-examine it after the first uh, first draft. Now, I'd imagine uh, Anthony Sorelli's name was thrown around a lot during the discussions for this. He's kind of he's kind of the poster boy for a guy who yeah. uh, is a quote unquote late bloomer, and that is just kind of taken the opportunity that he had with the Oshawa Generals and ran with it. Obviously with the World Juniors, everyone knows yep. about his exploits there. And then he got a contract with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and he's he's just been on a steady path, whereas he wasn't really on the radar, at least publicly, until a couple of years ago. That's right. And, he, and, and you know, you look back, you have him. He, he is the poster boy. He's, he's reached everything. And, you know, but then you also have Nick Paul. Who did a lot of the similar things with World Juniors and uh, Joseph Landisi was another Bantam draft. Um, you know, we've had some good ones who have come in the last three or four years that are real. You know, those three guys are significant impact players uh, at the Ontario Hockey League level. But Anthony Sorelli, yeah, he's absolutely the poster boy. And 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 I think, you know, it was great throughout the World Juniors where it, when all eyes are on the hockey world at that time that they kept reiterating the broadcasters did. And, and they kept reiterating the fact of, hey, if you're not drafted in your minor midget year, it's not over. Here's Anthony Sorelli. Hey, if you're if you're cut or or whatever, you face some adversity at a young age, it's not over. Here's Anthony Sorelli. That's just great messaging in the overall health and, and goodness of our game, keeping players enrolled, registered, and retained in our sport, and keep pushing and, and dealing and, and working through some adversity. So Anthony's a fantastic story. A couple of devil's advocate uh, scenarios sure. for you. So, first yep. of all, okay, let's let's uh, hypothetical situation where I'm a player who's a late bloomer, so an Anthony Sorelli type. You know, yep. I'm killing it in in major midget. Teams are coming coming after me with, you know, education packages with this perk with that perk, and you know, maybe promising me, hey, in top six minutes, like this. These are the type of things that happen where. Yep. They're getting they're getting uh, followed. They're being they're being chased by a, a you know a group of teams. So they have the power. They have the leverage. They go, okay, yeah, I like what's going on in Kitchener, or I like what's going on in London. Uh, I'm going to go with these guys, and then you know they they go about their business, and they they kind of it's almost a reward for being a late bloomer, if you will. Um, sure. But under this circumstance, uh, the way that I'm reading, it, at least, they would be drafted to a team that they 
maybe didn't want to go to or just, you know, they can't get a full education package from. This is, again, hypothetical. And then yep. and then they're stuck with that team. And, you know, nine times out of ten, maybe it works out well. But that one time, maybe he gets this 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 player gets stuck on a depth chart and, you know, it's just not the right scenario. And all of a sudden his, you know, his momentum stops. He doesn't get playing time. He was better off in midget maybe or just better off being a free agent. Um, did you get a lot of that kind of pushback from, I don't know, from agents or from the, the hockey community that was involved in the discussions where kind of the player's view, it, it some, at least, I mean, it kind of depends, but the high level guys, they probably would enjoy the leverage of being a free free agent. Yeah. You know, and it's a fair comment and, and certainly, you know, the one thing we want is to be fair to all players down the road here, but there's, there's a couple things that, that fall in here that that can help one it's really we want to focus on the big picture and i think that becomes important so that that may happen like you say i think it's i think it may happen the odd time but in the big picture as as we evolve here and the draft evolves um i i believe it will sort itself out the other element that that is included is that a player's drafted on april the 12th and and for whatever reason it's not the right fit and it's not the the right club for him and his family that happens we we're experiencing that. We're going to experience it Saturday with the minor midget selection on June first. First, excuse me, on June the first, his rights could be traded. So, so, so he has that that opportunity. The other element to it too that um, you know is there, John, is that if these are players who are playing midget AAA, so this is just the midget AAA category. If let's say he gets called up to play Tier Two Junior A. Um, you know, halfway through a season, uh, January the 10th, you know, he then can still enter sort of the free agency market. He doesn't have to be, uh, drafted, uh, in the midget draft. The other element to it, should a 2000 happen to get through four rounds, so this, this I know is a little bit less likely, that 2000 birth year, first year midget can still actually go to an OHL camp as a free agent. Um, if, if he happens to make an OHL team as a free agent, then he makes an OHL team as a free agent. If he happens to make a tier two junior A or junior B team, then he goes to that level and he wouldn't be, uh, involved in the midget draft the following year as a second year midget. If he comes back and plays second year midget triple A, he actually gets one more chance to be drafted. So I think you could look at it as it, it could really can go either way. Um, I, I think in the big picture, and that's what's really important here, is in the big picture, we think that this can have such a positive impact. Agents actually have supported this. They like they like the concept of creating um, opportunity and exposure for players who are playing at that category. I know in speaking with midget AAA coaches, they're, they're, they're pumped, and their kids are very excited about the chance they could be drafted again and involved in a hockey club. So we've seen more positives than negatives in the short term. So with with the junior, I didn't realize that there was kind of an exception. If you played, is it just one game of junior, and then you're kind of you become a free agent? No, it refers back to the, your carding. So oh, okay, there's there's AP times right, and you have to be depending on your permanent card. Um, that that will hinge on. So it's midget. If you look at the language, and I apologize, I don't have it in front of me, but if you look at the language in some of our press releases, it refers back to midget aged carded players. So so you you could essentially go from start the season in midget AAA and then be called up to a, a tier two A team and remain in the tier two A team for the balance of the season. Then you'd become a tier two A player and you'd actually be 
You could become an add-on to the minor midget draft, but you wouldn't be drafted in the midget AAA category or the midget the U18 draft. Okay. Yeah, there's okay. a lot there's a lot of sort of layers to this. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, this is an interesting part, John. When we put it together, we 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 always believe simplest is best, right? But then you start thinking of some of these scenarios and 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 what works in in the event that you're not you're not affecting the player, you're being fair to all all clubs at at not just the OHL level, but at the lower categories as well too. There has to be a fairness to them, and so we've tried to take into account many of these things as best as we can. Yeah, I, I I read a few stories from kind of around the province about it, the reaction when it initially got announced, and more or less positive across the board. Except, I think the only community or the only leagues that seem upset about it is Junior C, or maybe yeah. maybe some Junior B teams. It depends on kind of the loop and and what type of town is around the area. But I guess someone has to lose out when you uh, prioritize the the midget level, I suppose. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say that they lose out. It actually, it, it, it's an interesting dynamic. I heard a lot about the Junior C stuff. My father sits on the board of a real great Junior C program uh, in the community that I'm from. And, and so he asked me about some of this stuff. And, and it's actually status quo for them, which I think is something that um, that that maybe isn't as informed out there as it should be. So if we didn't implement a midget AAA draft, Currently, right now, a, a junior C or a junior B player could, or and will. I'm gonna. We're gonna see it happen on the weekend, where, where there will probably be a junior B or a tier two A player or a junior C player from across the province drafted in the minor midget category. So we, we've never really changed anything for that entire category of player. That that actually remains exactly the same as it has for the past 15 years. So I, I I I guess I can understand a bit where they're coming from and that it's not unique to them. But again, our focus with our committee with the OHF was let's let's work on midget AAA here and get it going, and and we'll start from there and work from there. Yeah, well, there's just there's going to be a lot of players uh, drafted in the next few months because, like you've alluded to, uh, this Saturday is your 15 round regular draft where it's minor midget players, and then. Well, by Wednesday next week is uh, exactly, I guess, exactly a week today is the yep. first U uh, eighteen draft, the midget draft. That's another four rounds, and then you have the import draft, which is a little different because they're more polished players and they're players that you know are playing elsewhere and playing high level. Um, but that's in June, and that's another two rounds, and you know it's it's different because not every team picks uh, two players, et cetera. But that's that's a lot of players to to for the league to process and for teams to add to their, <laughs> to their depth charts. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, you know what it, it it is, it is and it isn't. It's uh, you know the fifteen rounds, the normal one, the the, the midget one is new. That's a uh, you know one of the ways we looked at it is we said well with the midget draft, you know we want to get that as I mentioned that protected list up as best as we could quickly as we could. So it's four. If a team were to be doing a development camp or a rookie camp after the OHL midget draft, they're probably bringing in two to three midget free agents anyway. So it might not change that dynamic too, too much, right, uh, from, from bodies. Um, but it, but it, it sure does create a lot of excitement for, you know, let's say a team drafts 15 minor midgets and another four midgets for 19 families within a club across the province here. It's a, it's a pretty cool week that's going to happen for our teams. They're the, they're the kind of the real two big, I say two because they'll be the focus, the import, as you said, is a bit unique, but those two drafts are going to be real key pieces for any franchise. And, and when they're rebuilding or, 
or reloading or whatever teams might be phrasing them as. So they're they're two pretty exciting days within a within a hockey club. Now, before we move on, because you have some interesting connections within the hockey world that I want to talk about, not sure. not not related to the the midget draft, but as a la- <laughs> as a last question, have you gotten any pushback from? I don't even know where the pushback would be com- be coming from yeah. specifically, but but in the hockey community about sort of, oh, you know, you're drafting more players, you're you're continuing to kind of sell the dream and and you know, put up in in these big lights, you know, come come chase the NHL and more guys. Are, are part of OHL teams, but are they really playing? That that sort of yeah. uh, mentality. I don't know if you've gotten much, much, uh, you know, pushback in in that sense because you end up having these massive depth charts, and maybe uh, you know uh, the average Joe seventeen year old thinks he's going to make it, um, and then you know this is up to the parents and and his support group, his agent, to maybe you know sit him down and go, this isn't necessarily reality, but yeah. Um, was there a bit of that where people were like, oh, you can't just add more drafts and then the more people are getting excited about maybe making the NHL, that sort of mentality? I, I, I haven't I haven't heard that directly. I, I could understand where that maybe could could grow from. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it, it's again, it's, it's, it's big picture, overall provincial development. Um, it's been embraced. The midget AAA category has been a category that I, I would say has been ignored for a better part of, of. I know I've been in the league for ten years, and this is our first initiative that we've done. What we have done uh, with midget AAA, so I, I, I think until you know maybe we get through a couple of these, will we really know the? Hey, what are the positives and the negatives of this thing? But but I think initially we've been the positives have far outweighed uh, the, the, any sort of negative feedback that we've taken. Fair enough. All right, let's talk about uh, DJ Smith because you were actually his first cousin and he's an assistant coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs. A lot of people might not know that because he doesn't do any interviews. The Leafs, doesn't. <laughs> the Leafs, don't, the Leafs don't like to kind of uh, spread the wealth in that sense and that's their right. But DJ is obviously enjoying a, a fantastic season in terms of the Leafs and their expectations. They're completely exceeding it. Have you been able to, to kind of get behind the curtain a bit and see – um, you know, even just how happy he is with with that team. Yeah, we we we, we talk uh, pretty frequently. We're uh, we're we're pretty close. We've stood in each other's weddings and other things. And he's been uh, kind enough to allow me to bring my son over to some practices to uh, get that atmosphere. So um, he he's loved every minute of it. He's a he's a real real. I'm very proud of him. Uh, he's a real bre- brilliant, bright hockey mind who's going to be, I, I passionately believe he'll be a head coach in the National Hockey League. He's an incredible communicator with the players, and, um, you know, he's, he's learned a lot. That's, that's certainly something that he's enjoyed a lot, too, um, all the time that he's had so far. But, but that's certainly something that I've picked up from him is the amount that he's learned in a, a real uh, short period of time. Well, his his teacher, if you will, is Mike Babcock. So it doesn't yes. get, it doesn't get much better than that. You're you're at the MBA of uh, of coaching when when you get to spend time uh, daily with someone like Mike Babcock. So you know, I think for him, when the opportunity came, and and then being surrounded also by you think of the upper management that's there in Toronto um, as a guy who's I'm 38, he's 39. As a guy who's 39 years old, to be surrounded by people like that, you can only grow. And uh, and set yourself up for some great success in the future here, and, and and he was smart enough to recognize that, even coming off unbelievable success in Oshawa, right? And 
he, he recognized that it was an, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and he's, he jumped at it, and he's run with it, and he's really enjoying it. Growing up, did you did you get the vibe that he might be a good coach? I don't know if that's something that you can pick yeah, up. Yeah, I don't know. That's a hard one to figure out. Growing up, he was always a, a fantastic athlete, whether it was baseball or basketball and hockey. He uh, And, uh, you know, you always – he was, I can always remember at a young age, uh, I wasn't one who wanted to get up to the early mornings and skate and, and, and do the pond hockey when we were five, six, seven, eight years old, but he was. And, uh, and uh, so we always had that little bit of extra passion, I think, than, than a lot of our friends or peers or whatnot. And you could always tell that he had something in him that was pretty special about the game. Uh, I don't think I ever doubted that he'd be staying in the game at, at, at uh, uh, for as long as he could uh, in his career. I think once his career was ended, um, I, I know I was coaching Junior B in St. Thomas, and, and he got involved in coaching uh, with the Windsor Spitfires. And immediately within that first year, you could tell he enjoyed the coaching and how how passionate he was about it and, and kind of giving to his players. So um, it was probably at the post-career where you could tell right away that he was going to be a coach and a, and a real, real good one. Yeah, not everyone is is fit to be a coach, especially at the NHL no. level. But um, that's right. If he's landed with the Leafs and he's an understudy to Babcock, that's that's a great path to take. And you mentioned his communication skills. Uh, it's it's interesting, right? In terms of the way that the NHL is set up now, uh, players have I don't know if power is the right word, but they have a lot of clout. Mm-hmm. And you know you can't go in there yelling and screaming and hope that you know they're gonna you know put their tail between their legs and go out there and and you know win one for you kind of thing. It's it's a bit of talking every per- person differently and sort of going around the room massaging the different personalities that sort of thing, which you learn a lot when you're when you're an OHL coach. I would imagine. Yeah, you know it's 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 twenty three different personalities and you need to coach each one of them differently. Um, the athlete now is different, no matter what. Uh, how, however you want to look at it, they, they want information. They want to be communicated to in a proper way. They want to be included. And, and, you know, if I, if I think if a coach can't adapt to some of those desires of, of players, I think you'll have a hard time these days. And, um, you know, everybody, every coach does it in their own unique way. Um, but if you can't communicate and you can't, it's not even so much having to be able to relate to these kids, but but communicating to them to helping them understand that you care about them and that uh, that you're willing to work with them and and other things. I think you're going to really draw a lot out of them, and and that's one of the great things I think that I know I see when I look around the OHL or the Canadian Hockey League is that's what we're dealing with on a regular basis is the changing generation of 16 to 20 year old hockey players, and that's where you know guys like DJ who have had success in junior. I'm not surprised he's having success in the NHL because those are the same type of players that are coming through the OHL now into the National Hockey League. So it doesn't change that much. Maybe you're in a bigger building with more bright lights, but the player is still the same probably at the core and what they're looking for to develop as players and people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially when you look at the Leafs roster and they're so young. I mean, obviously DJ can relate in terms of uh, his previous experience. And, you know, if you go across the Eastern Conference a bit, there's Travis Konechny, who you know yeah. well. Uh, you were his agent at one point, and then you joined, yeah. you joined the OHL, um, and then, you know, you obviously had to, to kind of cut ties in that sense. Do you mind going through how you yeah. guys met and sort of uh, your journey together? 
Yeah, you know what? I was really fortunate uh, that the family uh, entrusted not not just myself. We talk about team, and uh, I had a you know Larry Stern with Newport Sports and Mark Guy with Newport Sports. The three of us worked closely with Travis and family, uh, but we were very fortunate at the time that. Um, I was kind of the, the front guy with it because of some relationships that I had in London, and, and I was put on to him uh, when he was scary. But just just starting his major bantam year, the summer of his minor minor bantam into major bantam, through a a close friend of mine that was a family friend of theirs, who's actually cousins of Bo Horvat. So ironically enough, the cousin and family tie comes back in, and <laughs> and it, it, not unlike Travis or any other of the young, really elite guys, you only need to watch them once. And then you can figure out how special they are, and uh, and we did that, and so we, you know, we invited his family into uh, the Newport offices in Mississauga and had a, a great meeting with them, and, and shortly thereafter they they sort of committed, and uh, and asked us to support them and and work with them, and and I still stay in touch actually with Travis to this day. I I uh, was over at the game in Toronto when Philly was there a couple weeks ago and popped in to say hello and. And everything else. So it, it it was a it's a unique relationship. It was a special one because he was technically my first client. So I stayed in touch with him all the way through through the OHL. We reconnected several times and his parents and check in to see how he's doing and and everything else. It was uh, it's pretty cool. It's one that I'll I'll uh, I call him a friend now. He's he's a he's a young adult. So he's uh, I say he's more of a friend than 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 anything. And it's uh, something that I, I really enjoy. Yeah, he's got 28 points in 68 games as a rookie for the Flyers, and I think yeah. the the more impressive statistic out of those two is the 68 games. He's been able to stay up. He's been that's able right. to stay healthy. That's that's uh, I mean, well, relatively healthy. I don't remember yeah. exactly what's been going on yeah. uh, day to day, but I mean, I remember him in his NHL draft year, and the critics come out in terms of his size, yeah. and then I remember. Uh, the top prospects game and he got a breakaway and scored and all of a sudden you know he's the the next big thing again it was sort of like up up and down in terms of you know the rankings that that are posted online and that maybe internally with uh with teams and then he ends up going late in the first and here he is not too long after uh in the nhl it's funny how the the draft works you know you just you just need to be drafted and then a team to believe in you and it doesn't really matter what what you know your draft year said about you that's it. And I don't think it mattered to him if somebody had taken him, not unlike Ryan O'Reilly, if you recall going back, Ryan was an early second round pick and made the National Hockey League just uh, uh, as an 18 year old at a, a second round. Now, Travis made it a year later, but but he, not unlike the elite level players, they have, he's got an incredible burning desire to be successful and competitive spirit in him. And he's an incredible teammate. And whether you talk to anybody in Ottawa or Sarnia and the leadership skills that he has and, and brings to the ring. So, you know, and in a lot of ways, I think, you know, we were people were probably surprised that, that he stayed in Philly, but, but not surprised because of some of the, 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 just the natural skills and some of the intangibles he possesses. But, but I'm with you to play 68 games at, like you say, people, questioned his size but uh tough to measure the size of his heart tough to measure the size of his will his competitiveness and his skating and skills were were very evident and uh doesn't really matter how big you are nowadays if you got some of those other things and you said you met him when he was in minor bantam correct heading yeah finished minor bantam into major bantam so just just uh would have been 14 probably had just turned 14 type thing or just turned 15 i guess it was do you somewhere re- around that age 
Do you remember that game specifically? Did he score like five goals? Was it anything crazy like that? Yeah, no, not at all. Nothing, nothing too crazy. I think it was a game against Brantford, and uh, I think he had two goals or a goal and two assists. Him and his linemate Lawson Kraus were were incredible together. But it was the skating, it was the puck skills, it was controlling the play. It was, it was, it was everything, right? And and you know, you you watch those guys for the first time, and and you're wow, you're, you're drawn to them. They're the only one you watch. You can't wait for them to get back out on the ice again. And, and um, he, he did that time and time again through Bantam, through Minor Midget, through, I would say, through the OHL. And where, when was he out again? He, he, he brought people out of his seats. And, and I, I think that's an exciting element, but um, it just showed how good and how skilled he was at the time, which kids are so skilled at young ages now, but, but he was real special even at that age. All right, Joe, uh, I think I've held you hostage here for long enough. I... No worries, John. No <laughs> worries at all. No, I, I appreciate your time, and uh, great great having you on. Anytime at all, and uh, I'll get in there in person sometime if we need to, And, and uh, but I appreciate the time.